0: Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike Perry, and I'm here with Brett Jones. Brett, how are we doing today, bud? Uh, I'm fine, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Me too.
1: Would, we'll, we'll save the uh, the gory details for another day, but I am fine. Still, You're um, still kicking. That's all that matters, right? Still still about on the right side of the grass. And uh, uh, you know what? I'm probably better than I deserve, but, uh, yeah, some challenges, but we're going to work through those. It's all good. Um, fut- future podcast material, maybe yeah, exactly. So
0: that's a, we're always getting ourselves into situations <laughs> where we always have more content to cover. So, uh, that's always a good thing. Exactly. So, um, anyways, so we are going to continue the theme of body weight training. Uh, it's not like we really plan this. And if we're being brutally honest, we don't plan anything. Um, sometimes the podcasts end up decent sometimes. Eh, well, it is what it is, but you know what, if you don't like it, it doesn't matter. Cause it's free. You don't have to listen. So there you go. Anywho, um, we're going to talk about pull-ups and a uh, huge fan of pull-ups. Um, one of, probably one of my favorite exercises of all time to train, to program. Um, I think as far as relative strength, it's, it's definitely at the top of my list. And, uh, I'm a huge fan of pull-ups and today we're going to talk about pull-ups. We're going to talk about variations, uh, sort of movement prerequisites, some programming ideas, uh, a little bit of functional anatomy and all the other things in between. So, but the first thing we're going to talk about is, um, why, why doing a pull-up is important and and what is the purpose of a pull-up and, uh, I'm going to let Brett start because, uh, we didn't plan anything and I'm just going to send it over to him and see what he makes up. So Brett, why, why is it good to be able to do a pull-up buddy? Come on. You should be ready for this. Cause
1: they're awesome. Cause, cause they're really good. Um, no, it, I mean, you can throw around, there's, there's some things like, uh, some people will call it like the upper body squat where, you know, it's, it can definitely add, you know, strength, uh, mass and, uh, ability to the, to the upper body. We pushing exercises are, you know, most people can get to the point where on a certain elevation, you know, we can start cranking out some push-ups, and we can start doing pressing exercises. Uh, dumbbell, you know, bench bench press or dumbbell floor press becomes very accessible uh, to a wide variety of folks. Uh, the um, military press because we, we build it into the get up, We, uh, uh, we, you know, that's a, a key skill from a kettlebell standpoint. We, we tend to get to our vertical pressing, you know, pretty quickly, vertical pulling, uh, and, and we can get to rows. So horizontal stuff, upper body wise, horizontal stuff we can usually get to very quickly, very scalable, uh, super accessible, uh, vertical pushing, pretty accessible, um, and, and something that we can really work with. Vertical pulling, it's a little more challenging, uh, and and there are some variations and some things that we can work on. There there are um, different ways, and we'll talk about ACE again, artificially controlling the environment, and you know assisting pull ups and things of that nature, um, and some of the horizontal rowing, which can progress towards more vertical options. But by the time you're going vertical, it's it's. Tough for a variety of folks. I was always fortunate. I was, I've always been pretty good at pull-ups. Interesting little factoid on the lat. Um, about 20% of the population right now does not have the connection of the lat to the inferior angle of the scapula. Uh, which would I think would certainly impact uh, ability to perform vertical uh, pulling just because of the different mechanics that you would get into uh, at the scapula uh, when you go uh, overhead and then perform a pull. Um, so I, I think that um, but when we look at why do we want to get to doing pull-ups? Um, we could talk about Jack Dempsey, the the great boxer. Um, and his primary training tool and what he felt gave him great punching power was pull-ups. And you can look at the, the lat, the way, the, the function and um, application of the lat. It's one of the most important muscles in your body. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I feel the same way about the lat that I feel about the diaphragm. It's just a cool muscle. Um, but you know the the way it functions not only within uh, internal rotation, extension of the shoulder, um, uh, things of that nature. Um, you know the the pulling actions that we get involved with because whether we're horizontal or vertical, well, that's going to be involved. Um, it's an important muscle actually when we go to press because when you get into this externally rotated kind of ninety degrees uh, abducted sort of position uh the anterior containment for your shoulder is the lat um so the way it wraps around uh from posterior to anterior on the the humerus and attaches in the middle of the uh, in between the deltoid tubercle and the and the head of the humerus and uh lat uh, pec lat and teres major uh attach in that area um the the what it's responsible for what it gets involved with um, like I said, internal rotation of the shoulder extension, um, uh, those, those actions, the impact it can have on scapular mechanics. Um, the way when we do something like running and the arm action, and one of the things that happens in the arm action with the extension versus opposite side flexion is the contraction of that lat, the way it tensions the thoracolumbar fascia and the way it influences the opposite glute. Your lats are actually super important sprinting and running muscles, a little bit more sprinting than running just because of the arm action and the intensity of what we're doing. But so the lat kind of transcends um, from pushing to pulling to running and sprinting uh, for deadlifting, making the upper and lower body one piece. Um, I have a hard time thinking of something that doesn't get battered better with stronger lats, um, barbell squatting. If you want a high high bar, or low bar squat, you're going to be activating the lats and pulling uh, again, uh, tensioning lat thoracolumbar fascia. Uh, so there's a there's a lot and you know, a lot of reasons why we would want strong lats. Um, the other thing that comes along with pull ups, abdominals. It's actually a really good abdominal exercise, and um, a lot of people that are good at pull ups also just tend to have strong abs. Um, so there's a, there's a nice connection there, uh, as well. So, and I think I, I started into it just a little bit. Like I was always fortunate as a kid. I was good at pull-ups, um, when I was a high school wrestler and I wasn't that big of a guy, you know, I, I wrestled at 138 in my senior year. I think I graduated, maybe I wrestled at 142. Anyway, I think I graduated high school, at like a buck 50, um, so good, good body weight to strength ratio. I could knock off like six sets of 12 behind the neck pull-ups and then flip around to the front and do a set of 20 plus. Um, just cause I could, like I was always good at it, um, done the beast tamer challenge. I've done, you know, oh, 10 reps with a 32 kilo on me. Um, and that was in a judged situation at the TSC. Uh, so, you know, I, have done enough pull-ups to, to have an opinion on them and, um, they're just awesome. Lats are awesome. Pull-ups are awesome. Uh, it is a worthwhile journey, uh, to, to go on uh, because I think it's going to benefit most everything you do.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, talking about the functional anatomy standpoint, you know, there's, there's a couple things to consider. You mentioned boxing and, um, you know, in a traditional stance, um, you know, left foot forward, left foot would be, you know, your left hand would be your jab hand, your right hand would be your two. Um, when you go ahead and you take that step, with your left foot. And then you go to, to kind of fall through that too. That's that whole connection of the thoracolumbar fascia through the glute and the opposing lat. And, and that's why it's so important. I was actually talking to a group of, uh, young soccer players this morning and explaining why the lats are important for sprinting. And it's, it's funny that you just said that, but um, from a functional anatomy standpoint, it definitely plays a role in just about everything we do. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people think, uh, that the lat is just this kind of armpit muscle and that's kind of all it does. It's up there. But I mean, if you look at the attachment. Um, you know, it's at the, it attaches all the way to the lower ribs, like all the way down. If you see someone that's really, really lean and has well-developed lats, you can actually see that lat attachment almost down by their waist, almost down by their obliques. Um, so it's a very, very big, big muscle. Um, and again, um, if you can get really, really strong lats, everything is going to be, uh, easier for you when it comes to strength training. I mean, if you look at, uh, gymnasts, right. Um, talk about, uh, tension and the ability to use their lats. I mean, these guys, when they're doing their planches and their levers and all that stuff, I mean, a lot of that has to do with their ability to contract that lat super hard and maintain tension over time. So, um, huge, huge fan of, of the lat as well. But, um, Let's talk about a little bit more about the pull-up. Though. So, you know, with the pull-up, if there's one thing that I will say uh, about the pull-up, is it is it gives people so much confidence when they hit their first pull-up, right? It's it's very similar to a push-up, but um, you know, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've had so many people that have come in through the gym. They say, "I want to get my first pull-up," and I want to get my first push-up. People, not too many people are saying, "I want to get my first deadlift of this weight." or I want to get, uh, this squatting weight, et cetera. And not that those things aren't important, but, um, you know, when you can get an, an, athlete and, uh, and especially I would say females, because, you know, men, we do have a little bit of a, of an advantage because we have well, test- a lot more testosterone and we have more upper body mass. So therefore upper body exercises are, um are a little bit easier for us. But that's not to say that females can't, you know, do very, very uh do a very, very good job at at pull-ups and, and weighted pull-ups. Um um, they absolutely can. It's just like anything you got to put the work in. Um my wife, uh as Pavel refers to as my better half, um my wife was uh was referred to by Pavel on Tim Ferriss's podcast where my wife did the fighter pull-up program and I think she hit 16 tactical pull-ups, overhand grip, dead hang pull-ups after she finished the program. And uh, for anybody, male or female, that's pretty badass. And, uh, you know, kudos to my wife because she's, uh, you know, she's definitely a badass. We've got this beautiful gym worth, I don't even know how much not how much a business is worth, but how much money we've spent on gear. And she's down in the basement on an old rogue rack and some old dumbbells and some kettlebells and she gets it done. So, um, but I tell you what, man, um, pull-ups, you can get to the point where you can get pull-ups. I think one, it'll change the confidence of the athlete. But I also think, honestly, it'll change the performance of the athlete. And, and I can't tell you why. I can't give you a PubMed article, but I'm going to tell you this right now. You get to the point where you get an athlete, male or female doing pull-ups, everything gets better everything seems to get better. And, uh, that's a beautiful thing. So, um, you know, pull-ups are awesome and I'm a huge fan. Um, you know, I've heard people say, some people say pull-ups are a waste of time or dangerous. Uh, that's cool. That's your opinion. Um, yeah, that's not my opinion. I think they're fantastic exercise, but, um, but let's talk about kind of movement prerequisites because, uh, I think when it comes to, uh, you know, performing pull-ups, um, I think the one thing that we have to consider is the overhead position, shoulder flexion, right. Bilateral shoulder flexion. Um, and, uh, you know, if you have really, really, really tight lats or just a kyphotic T-spine forward head posture, going overhead is going to be a little bit harder, right? But there's some beauty in hanging on the bar, all right? And just getting to that point where, you know, whether you're using an overhand grip, supinated grip, some sort of neutral grip, if you use rings, you can kind of do a combination of those. But, man, just just unloading your body weight and and getting a little bit of traction, right? Get a little bit of distraction in that glenohumeral joint and opening up that T spine. Um, you can train the pull-up to get stronger, but if you add a little hang, you can get some mobility out of it too, because you get that extra horsepower from your body weight. And, um, You know, there was a trend for a while, and I forget what physician it was, a a pretty well-known doctor, um, uh, PT, was talking about, you know, how hanging can be one of the most therapeutic things for your shoulders. And there are some individuals that, you know, they're so bound up from life, uh, you get them to just unload and hang and get a little bit of length out of those lats and get them to maybe decompress that spine a little bit. And man, things start to move a little bit better. So the the pull-up can also be a little bit of a mobility drill as well.
1: Absolutely. I would say from a, you know, 30,000 foot view uh, perspective, we want to bring everything we talked about as far as uh, mobility prerequisites for going overhead in a press. We need to bring that with us here. So we're going to look at the t spine, we're going to look at the scap stability. We're going to look at, uh, you know, uh, health of the neck and and all of those things. Um, uh, Good breathing. uh, All of those things come along with us to your point of hanging, which, uh, in, in some of the older systems, that's, that's just brachiation. Um, yeah. and the process of brachiation was also how you moved from across implements like, uh, monkey bars or, uh, rings or, uh, a variety of things. So this, this concept of brachiation, um, is, is an, it's an ancient concept. Um, and it does have some tremendous benefit. Now the, press versus pull there's some different scapular dynamics that that get involved here and our ability to control the scapula and and be in a good hanging position matters so the two isometrics and and you just referred to it hanging is a quote isometric that you can do um and it's a it's a good entry point if you want to get somebody started towards pull ups hang first and there's a cool exercise. Um, I learned it as kind of a Fred Hatfield exercise where you do these scap pull ups. And so, if you can picture somebody hanging from the bar, actively bringing the scapulas up, up, but then actively depressing them, putting them in your back pocket while you're hanging from the bar, just having that little scapular slide. I remember the first time I did it, and I, I was training pull ups at the time. And I, this person came back from a workshop and they're like, Hey, try these. I'm like, man, that that feels really good, man. I woke up the next morning knowing exactly where my lats and all of my scapular musculature was. I mean, it, it's a really great way to uh, maybe do something a little more active in the hang, but also tra- start training the scapulas in a way that we need them to be strong. Cause what's the, the biggest mistake when somebody goes past this step, and they go to pull-ups too soon, you see them initiate the pull-up by the shoulder blades coming up. Mm-hmm. And so they have the shoulder blade elevation and forward um, rotation, and it's a bad position to pull from. Um, but it's kind of like push-ups. Like You can get into some bad push-up positions that actually feel stronger. It actually lets you do a few more reps. But there's a cost involved because mechanically, yeah, you're taking advantage of a little mechanical lockup, but you're taking advantage of a little mechanical lockup and that has, a, that has a price. So you'll see people that initiate with a little bit of a shrug and their scapular position changes and then they go ahead and pull from kind of a kyphotic or rounded position um, and it's not a great position to pull from. So doing these hangs, working on these scap pull-ups is a great place to start, but then start pairing that with some flexed arm hangs and work on the top position. And for flexed arm hang, let's go chin up grip uh, or neutral grip. Um, Tactical grip, um, which when we say tactical grip, we mean thumbless and uh, hands over the bar, palms forward on the bar. Um, You can wrap your thumbs. I mean, if if the reason we do tactical is if you work climbing over a brick wall you're not going to be able to wrap your thumb around if you go rock climbing you're probably not going to be wrapping your thumb around many things but you are going to be pulling uh, from from the hands and from the fingers um but for that flexed arm hang because we with tactical grip get a lot of stress on the elbow for a flexed arm hang um pull-up grip can be nice uh, much more comfortable make it wide enough so that it suits the the structure of the individual. But those two isometrics, uh, doing flexed arm hang at the top hangs and, or hangs with scat pull-ups, uh, at the bottom really effective.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a few things I'm going to add to that is, um, you know, as far as what variation you want to use, if you want to use a chin up, which is that reverse grip, if you want to go neutral grip or you want to go overhand tactical grip, honestly, um, to me, it doesn't really, really matter. I would say if you are going to work towards a tactical overhand grip, in my opinion, most people do well with the chin up first, neutral grip second, and or rings somewhere in there where you get a little bit of, uh, you can get a little bit of supination and pronation, um, depending on, you know, what is comfortable for you and then eventually moving to the overhand grip. So I found that working in that order tends to be, um, the most effective way to sort of, to build that, uh, that sort of pull up in general. But I will say this, um, you know, one of the things I think people miss when it comes to, um, training, all of these is looking at supination and pronation of the upper extremities, right? So if you have a lack of supination, right. Um, and, and I would say more so I see this with chin-ups than anything else. If you lack supination and you really can't supinate fully to get your palm completely up to the sky, um, there might be a pretty good chance that when you start trying to bang out a bunch of chin-ups you're going to piss off your medial level and probably end up with some sort of medial epicondylitis right because essentially you're loading a joint that is you know isn't really pre- i don't want to say that the joints not prepared but you're loading it in a way that you have such minimal room for error that you could start chewing up the wrong stuff and and start loading the wrong things and like Brett said, it's just because you can get it done doesn't mean it's you're doing it correctly and accurately, right? Um, so I, I think the big thing is if you are going to uh, add chin ups into it, just make sure that you can supinate somewhat symmetrically on both sides, and then make sure that um, when you load, you're not feeling your elbow right out of the gate. So, you know, if you are going to do a chin up do exactly what Brett talked about. Get into that hang position in that supinated grip and and do those scap, you know, serratus, whatever you want to call it, pull-ups where you're just sucking that glenohumeral joint into the socket, kicking everything in and then going from there and doing some repeats of that. That's going to do one thing. It's going to save your elbow. But from a sequencing standpoint, from a muscle firing standpoint, That's going to give you a a better advantage altogether because, um, another mistake that I see when it comes to chin-ups, pull-ups, neutral grip pull-ups is they start, they hang. And the first thing we see is flexion at the elbow. All right. So if we see flexion at the elbow, um, most likely you're going to be using all of that tissue around the elbow and your biceps prematurely and your lat, which is the largest muscle in your upper body and which should be one of the strongest, doesn't really do its job and everything else has to sort of overcompensate. And next thing you know, you start to get pissy elbows and et cetera. So, um, you know, being able to pack that shoulder, I don't like the term packing because it it sometimes gets, uh, gets a little bit thrown around, but being able to set that bottom position, get your lats to fire, get your scap in the right position, get your serratus going, and then finishing it from a sequencing standpoint, um, it's it's going to help you a ton. And uh, I've met so many people that I've watched them, you know, do pull-ups and they're like, Hey, can you, can you look at my pull-up? It bothers my medial elbow. And then the first thing you see is elbow flexion and you don't see anything going on um, around sort of the lat, et cetera. And then next thing, you know, things are going to get more pissy or they do a bunch of half reps because they want to feed their ego. And, uh, then they wonder why, you know, things are getting pissed off. I had a guy one time, he's like, I can do 12, 14 chin ups. I'm like, okay. So he did 12 half chin ups. And I was like, all right. I said, give me five minutes. And I said, let's go all the way down and let's go all the way up. You could do one. <laughs> so there's a big difference there, but, um, you know, I think like anything, having appropriate um, having appropriate progressions laid out is very, very important because, um, you can't skip the steps. And if you try to be too aggressive, um, it's probably not going to end up with the outcome that you're looking for. So, um, those are some basic stuff to consider, but Brett was talking earlier about, you know, if you're going to start off, start off with the regular sort of dead hang and then do the flexed arm hang. And then from there, you do have a couple different options, right? You can do slow eccentrics. Um, you know, we're, we're all a little bit stronger. I, what's the number spread about 20% stronger eccentrically. Maybe is that about right? Yeah. ballpark so, ish. Yeah. So, I mean, eccentrics are one of the best things that you can do is just, you know, if you get to that point where you're doing your flex arm hang, just do a three to five second eccentric and we can call that a rep, right? And if you can do four or five, six of those. In the course of a training session you're going to do all right so you can start working eccentrics that's a great way to do it that's one of the simplest way to work on it you can do eccentrics with a partial range of motion to start what do i mean by that you can start at the top position you can go halfway down and come all the way up if that's a weak spot for you well there's a a nice opportunity to work your weak spot um if you need a little bit of assistance from the bottom that's when you can use a little bit of a band. Now I'm not a huge fan of a band, but they do serve their purpose when you're working with large groups um, or people are doing it on their own when you can't give them a manual assist. But at the very, very bottom of a banded pull-up, you're gonna get a ton of resistance. At the very, very top, you get less. So you can use the band to help own the bottom. And at the very, very top, as you get stronger because the muscles shorten, then you can finish at the top. And and usually most people, when it comes to pull-ups, the hard part or the sticking point is getting sort of out of the hole, out of that bottom position and making their way up to the top of the pull-up.
1: Definitely. Um, Want to go back real quick and just talk about a couple more grips. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of the mixed grip pull-up. So one hand pronated, one hand supinated. And for the people that have the supination issue that you talked about, this is a little bit of a, can be a workaround for those folks because it doesn't require both arms to be fully supinated or fully pronated. Now we get to kind of play with this middle range, uh, and work through I, because of all the bending and grip stuff that I did, my left elbow lacks a little bit of uh, supination. So full chin-ups used to be, I've gotten better. Uh, but uh, full chin-ups used to be pretty difficult for me because I couldn't supinate my left hand. Mixed grip pull-ups, I can get offset just enough to where I can work with that uh, that restriction. And it's a they're the bridge between the chin-up and the in the uh, uh, tactical pull-up. Uh, uh, neutral grip pull-ups, I think, are a little bit unique un, unto themselves. And I'm a huge fan of neutral neutral grip pull-ups. I think they are awesome. Ring pull-ups, neutral grip pull-ups super, super uh, thing to work on. But that mixed grip pull-up can be a really great uh, transition between chin-up to tactical pull-up. The commando grip, where you're, instead of being um, facing the bar, you're sideways to the bar. So let's say I've got my right hand on the bar. I bring my left hand onto it so that the thumb and, um, and, and pinky touch. So I've got this kind of Um, with the bar grip, uh, which oddly enough is mixed grip sort of. And if you're on a freestanding bar, you can do, and this is just the old pull-up variation, um, commando pull-up, where you're going to pull up to touch that right shoulder, and then you're going to come back down and you're going to pull up and touch that left shoulder. And if you're in a doorway bar like I have now and you can't do the other side, You're going to do this one-sided commando pull-up, and then you're going to change directions, face the other way, switch hands. Now my left hand is closest to me, and now I do the left side, commando pull-up. Really cool variation, Uh, and it hits the lats and it hits the body in a different way. To your point of uh, ace and artificially controlling the environment, um, I took a high school uh, female cross-country runner from zero to five pull-ups with 25 pounds on her um through ace uh we did some hangs we did some scat pull-ups we did some flexed arm hang and then i just started assisting uh by uh giving a little bit of manual assistance at the base of the ribs uh and making the pull-up challenging
0: posterior perfect. ribs let's let's for, posterior for, for of, ribs <laughs> thank you for those of you listening posterior ribs brett is a is a professional i just don't want people to get the the wrong idea here <laughs>
1: Understood. And I should clarify that commando grip does not have anything to do with going commando. It's simply the term for it. Uh, you're fully clothed. Uh, now you you're, tell when me. When you're doing this. <laughs> now, what? <laughs> what? That's something completely different. Um, but, you know, just that little bit of an ace, that little bit of artificially controlling the environment, giving that assist so that the rep is challenging but perfect throughout the range of motion. Um, it got to the point where. And here's where the confidence thing kicks in. Um, I wasn't giving any assistance, but she she could feel that my hands were back there. And uh, if my hands were back there, five great reps. And I, I wasn't even given any assistance. If I took my hands away, she, she'd stall out. She, she couldn't complete the rep. And so it was kind of this mental hurdle to get over in the end where it's like, no, no, you're actually doing this. I'm, I'm out of the picture. Like you can do this. Um, so in, and achieving that pull up, I guess the, the, the cautionary advice I would give is don't be in a rush. Yeah. It'll, it'll come along when it comes along, make progress, do the work, uh, but don't put any artificial timeframes on it and don't force yourself because as you overload that movement and especially something, because if you're trying to achieve your first pull up, you are doing something that is beyond your one RM. Show me another exercise where you train with greater than your one RM and for volume. A, you're probably not going to train beyond your one RM, period, ever, except in pull ups, maybe one arm push up. Um, So you're not, it's just, you're not going to do it. So think about that as you're making that progression towards your first pull up and a true one RM and beyond one RM effort that you're working on. How much volume do you think you should put on that beyond your one RM effort? That's usually where most problems start.
0: Yeah. uh, And and I would say, um, when it comes to pull ups in general, so I'm going to give you a little bit of programming advice here. Um, When you're learning to do pull-ups and it's, it's really new to you, low volume, when you get really good at pull-ups and you get really strong, low volume, (laughs) that (laughs) middle ground where you can, you know, hammer anywhere from five to 10, and you want to do something like a fighter pull-up program where you can accrue a lot of volume and, and improve your, you know, your one RM. Awesome. But, um, you know, less is more when it comes to, uh, programming in general, when it comes to the pull-up, um, But like Brett was saying, I'm a big fan of the manual resistance, right? Uh, Giving them a little bit of extra assistance with your hands on the posterior rib cage. um, I think that's huge. It's probably one of the best ways because what it does is it really allows them to feel kind of where they need a little bit of help. Now, um, you know, that's not always a viable option because if you're working in a group setting or you're working with teams, you don't always have an opportunity to manually assist everyone or, you know, you don't want uh, you know, high school kids assisting another high school kid on their, their, uh, their pull up, because it's just, it's not going to be beneficial. It's going to turn into a bunch of horseplay. So, um, there's two ways that you can do a little bit of assistance with the pull up. Um, and both of them use bands. So the first way that I learned was, you know, you have the pull up bar, you loop the band around the top, you put your foot through and, you know, you bang out what you can. It is what it is. Um, I used to use that all the time and, uh, it was pretty simple, right? You get to the point where you can do five to seven with a certain type of band. Cool. Once you can get there, you do you know 3 4 sets of that then move to a lighter band rinse and repeat move to a lighter band rinse and repeat cool works really really well but here's another way that that works quite well with um with groups as well instead of using that band where they have to loop their leg through set up the j hooks higher and put the bands across so all they need to do is step on the j hooks step on the band that's locked in between the J hooks and then there's your assistant. You don't have to worry about the band, you know, slipping out and hitting someone, et cetera. So it's another way to program the, uh, you know, the pull up, but it gives them assistance, but it's so much easier to just set up the J hooks, put a band across, you know, you bring the bench right near there. They step on the bench from the bench onto the band, bada, boom, bada, bing. The cue that I give them is give me a second at the bottom. Give me a second at the top rinse and repeat. And that works quite well. Um, and again, you can just go, you know, simple bands, um, and then, you know, start with a thicker band and work your way towards a thinner band. It's a very, very easy way to do that. So, um, when we're working with like our high school groups, that's something that we do all the time, because again, we can't give everybody, um, the, you know, the sort of the manual help that they need. The one thing I will say is, you know, so we've got some rogue cages in here and they have so many holes and notches, um, in the cages. I would label the, I would Absolutely label um the the actual cages, but also when you're when you're setting someone up in those J hooks, you want to know where you gave the assistance and at what height, because that's going to actually matter when it comes to programming in general, right? Because the higher, the higher the J hooks are, the more, uh, the more assistance it's gonna give them, the lower it's gonna be less. So and then you can actually get really, really creative. One of my favorite things to do is let's say that someone has a um, you know, they're they're having a tough time at the bottom of a pull-up, but they do okay at the top. You set up that J-hook, right? And it assists them all the way to the top. And here's the cool thing about putting your feet on top of the band, at the very, very top, you just take your feet off the band and then you do a body weight eccentric. So now you have an assisted pull-up on the way up and an eccentric body weight on the way down. So it's a nice way to get the best of both worlds. And again, it's super simple to use and implement in a group setting.
1: I love it, I love it. Let's talk um, head slash eye position and body position, because there's two dominant uh, pull-up styles. There's a bodybuilding type style where you're kind of doing this. It's a kind of a hybrid row and pull-up where you're you're leaned back a little bit. You're pulling up big chest. And this is something that bodybuilders used to do a lot, at it would add width and thickness to the back, whatever that means. And, um, then there's the more, um, I want to say hollow position, but, uh, I think we should do a whole other podcast on the hollow position and how it's, um, bastardized and, and missupplied. but it is a more vertical body position. It, it does engage the abdominals a lot more, uh, in the position and, um, Okay, three major styles of uh, body position for for the pull-up. You had the bodybuilder style, you had the more vertical style, and then you have the doorway pull-up style where you're going to bend your knees. And that actually is a different body position that has a little different impact to how the pull-up goes. Um, But versus pull-up bodybuilder style versus vertical body style bodybuilder style, you're going to have some kind of global extension that gets involved. Uh, It's like I said, it's a little bit of a hybrid row to pull up sort of thing. Uh, And you're going to get a little cervical extension. You're going to be looking up a little bit. So that's a, that's a different body position. There's a reason to do it. Um, I've done a a lot of pull-ups like that. Uh, and then with the vertical body position, we, we want a more neutral head position. We're not going to be looking up because as we look up and and we facilitate extension, we're actually going to, uh, take a little emphasis off of the abdominals, um, and, and off of the position and we're not getting quite as vertical. So for the vertical body position slash hollowish position that we want to be in, um, we're going to have a more neutral position to the eyes and neck. Um, and the, the, but you're trying to pull yourself up to the bar. So the most natural thing in the world is to snap your head up to look at the bar. (laughs) Well, unless somebody's moving the bar, it's going to be there when you get to the top. So you don't need to look at it. Um, And so that's a big difference there. Bent knee, we want to be now in the bent knee position. You can still do both styles. You can still have more of a bodybuilding style where you a little more global extension. It's actually a little easier to get into the bodybuilding style. And it's harder to get into the more vertical body position style because just the act of bending the knees and having the feet behind you shifts center of mass uh, in the pull-up. It makes it harder to have the more hollow position without engaging the hip flexors and and flexing the hips and thinking that you're engaging the abdominals. Um, So that that bent knee position becomes a little more challenging. Uh, Try squeezing a foam roller between the knees. Uh, When you do your bent knee uh, pull ups uh, for the more vertical body orientation, you get a little bit more reflexive abdominals, a little bit of um, a little bit better positioning, and it shifts center of mass just a little bit. Um, So all of those uh, variations and then like Jack Dempsey had something he called uh, sternum pull ups where he had uh, basically uh, position on the bar so that the thumbs touched, uh, they're extended and the thumbs touch so you've got you know four or five inches between between the hands and you're rowing yourself to mid chest level and then on the eccentric you're not just coming down you're actually trying to push yourself away from the bar on the way down uh and it's intense they're they're a rough uh they're a rough pull-up um yeah i just wanted to talk about those different
0: uh, body positions how are you mike I'm um, all right. I uh sorry, I was sleeping because I, I was just I heard this background noise of someone talking. So it was fine. Um, so, you know, as far as the pull up goes, I mean there, there's there's a lot of different directions we can go from a programming standpoint. And um, I'm a big fan of weighted pull ups and there's a lot of do's and don'ts with that. But I, I think that would be a completely separate podcast because it would it could absolutely take me forever to to talk about that. But um, you know, I think what it's what it, what it boils down to is is I think when possible. No contraindications, right? No injuries or safety issues. I, I think trying to get to the point where you could do a body weight pull-up for everybody is a really, really good goal, right? And for some, I'm saying this and you're thinking that's never gonna happen. Um try. You never know. I've I've seen some people do some pretty remarkable things by just putting their mind to it. Doesn't mean it's gonna happen in two, three months, it could be two, three years, but um consistency pays off and and that's a beautiful thing. So um, you know, we're both big fans of the pull-up, and um, you know, again you know, with both of us working for strong first, we do, uh, we do talk about body weight training and we talk about the SFB curriculum quite a bit because that's where, you know, um, you know, a lot of this stuff, uh, is taught and, um, pull up is a skill. It's not something that you just do, but it's a skill. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. If you take your time to do it, it's super, super rewarding. And if you do want to learn and take the SFB, it just so happens that in august of 2023 we're going to be hosting an sfb at my gym uh skill of strength in, in august and karen is going to be uh coming and teaching karen is a phenomenal instructor for the sfb and for kettlebells and everything else she's she's just a great coach all around but she's going to be teaching the sfb here in uh in august so if you want to learn uh more about some really really cool body weight training tension etc um that's a perfect opportunity um We'd love to see you there and, and kind of go from there. So as we wrap this up, Brett, um, anything else you want to add to the pull-up conversation for today? I like them. I like,
1: I like it a lot. lot. I like <laughs> I it like a lot. lot. Um so you're saying there's a chance. Um, sorry. but I, I it's a worthwhile journey. I, I think that from you know, horizontal row to more vertical ring and uh suspension uh variations working on your hangs, um, you know, the hang with grip strength, rotator cuff strength, scapular strength, a lot of reasons to do basic hanging. Uh, there's, there's reasons to be on this journey and, and to work towards your, your first pull-up. And then to your point with the, the confidence aspect, um, boy, you just start feeling strong, uh, when, when you can knock off, you know, five, 10 pull-ups and you, you just know you can, walk by a bar and and yank yourself up to it and and feel strong and confident doing that um yeah i think that's a good closer
0: all right well <laughs> wise words from brett those i i like turtles <laughs> um anyways uh Another one's in the books, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, do us a huge favor and give us a positive review in whatever platform you're listening to. And also share this with your friends because maybe they want to uh, maybe they want to do some pull-ups and they don't know where to start, or maybe they've gotten stuck at one point and maybe the tips that we gave out today is going to potentially help them. So share with some friends and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.